0: Welcome to the Archways Podcast. Archways is recorded on the campus of Johnson C. Smith University and intended to support the goals of the Center for American Culture and Race, which is housed on the campus of our partner institution, Guangdong Bayun University in Guangzhou, China. The center and this podcast are designed to help our Chinese colleagues and friends understand and experience American culture through the lens of race. Here now are your hosts from Johnson C. Smith, Dr. Brian Jones, and Dr. Matthew DeForest.
1: We're pleased to offer this podcast as one of a piece of a larger educational initiative that we've launched here at J.C.S.U. Starting with spring 2016, J.C.S.U. is pleased to formally open the Center of American Culture and Race on the campus of our partner institution, Guangdong Bayun University in the city of Guangzhou, China. The American experience can't be understood without engaging issues of race and ethnicity, especially those of African Americans. And of course, there is no way to understand or even begin to approach race without dealing with the question of slavery. And for that, we brought in two of our experts here at J.C.S.U. to help us discuss the topic.
0: Good, so we're, pla- we're pleased to have um, uh, two historians from the Department of Social and Behavioral Sciences. And uh, folks, I'll ask you to go ahead and introduce yourself. Mike, we'll let you go first. Sure,
2: Mike Aradis, and I'm um, Assistant Professor of History and uh, History Program Coordinator at J.C.S.U.
3: And I am Tiffany Packer, Assistant Professor of History here at J.C.S.U.
0: And you guys both have experience teaching uh, American slavery in one form or the other, either in uh, Tiffany, either in your U.S. survey classes and your African American history classes. And Mike, you teach aspects of American slavery in the world civ classes, um, as well as in your sort of broader uh, global studies global Absolutely. history efforts. So good, good. So, so we'll we'll start back at, at as far back as we can go, and, and without soaking up so much of our time uh, going forward into sort of the the aspects of American slavery. And I just want to get. Um, just hear your comments and thoughts about you know, basically the origins of what we come to know as a plantation-style slave system in the Western world. So we're talking about the origins of basically the Atlantic slave trade, and how that plays out. So it's part world civ, part American history.
2: So in 1436, the Portuguese arrive in Cape Verde and begin to trade with the Capo Verdeans. And initially that trade is just for resources— but the Capo Verdeans offer the Portuguese people and at that point the Atlantic slave trade begins. Okay? So most of those are folks coming from the islands right up to Portugal and then we're not talking a very large movement. Okay? And eventually that's going to make its movement to once the Portuguese are in the New World to the New World. Because okay? 1436 we're still trying to get around the coast of Africa to India and China. Once we get to 1492 and we've crossed the Atlantic and then you get into the 1517, 1526, the conquest of Mexico, Okay, the, the Aztec Empire, the issues that the Spaniards faced were manpower issues. Okay, Virtually the entirety of the Americas was not resistant to smallpox and so wherever the Spaniards went they brought the disease with them and decimated the entire Caribbean and large chunks of the coastline of Mexico and the the small number of his Spaniards that were there and Portuguese the Portuguese are going to be there as well uh, they're not going to do the work themselves so initially that work was going to be done by slaves from the west coast of Africa and this process by of the this early this early trade is largely with West African kingdoms this would be Ghana okay and Europeans coming to buy slaves from kings and the the understanding there this is a very old system by which West African monarchs going back to Mali going back to to Benin got rid of enemies if you have political enemies in your midst, you sell them to rivals and get them out of there. Killing them is bad, but selling them is okay. So this, I mean, slavery is as old as humanity. Absolutely. Um, and the fact that there may have been
0: a slave system inside Africa is not a surprise. What did the slave system, as the Africans understood it, what did it look like?
3: Well, slavery in Africa tended to look very different than what it looks like in the Atlantic world. So, for example, uh, <clears throat> slaves sometimes could have You know, rights as family members. Absolutely. Um, And oftentimes, slaves would become slaves because of something criminal. If they had a debt, if they, you know, committed a crime, they were not slaves just because they were black. Right. I should also add that. You know, the children of slaves did not automatically become slaves either. Right. So those are some distinct differences when you talk about slave systems in Africa um, and comparing it to the Atlantic world. So, you know, chances are is when the Atlantic slave trade first started that those who were doing the selling I'm assumed that slavery might look the same right, they um, outside, but I'm not convinced that they, you know, kept that thinking. I think they learned as time went on. Absolutely, but. Slavery, the Atlantic slave trade becomes such a lucrative business That's it. Um, that they have to keep it going, even if they know that it's not fitting with the morality. What are
0: yeah. what are what are West African kingdoms, West African slave traders, as they evolve? What are they getting in return for slaves? Firearms. And they're giving. They're, they're trading slaves to uh, European powers, Portugal, Spain, later England, right? Mm-hmm. And and so and what are they trading them for? You said firearms. firearms. Tell, tell us about the, the
2: gun trade. Well, what's going to happen, we, we should not look at the, this as sort of an oppositional kind of uh, 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 relationship between Europeans and West African monarchs, because once firearms make their entry onto the, onto the stage of warfare, in the, in, really in the 1500s when they're really there, uh, everyone knows about them, and everyone, if you want to keep your kingdom intact, you have to have them. Okay, it's an arms and, race, right? It's right. It's an arms race. Absolutely. And this is really the best and easiest way to get them is to trade directly with the Europeans. And the, Ur- the Portuguese and the Spaniards had no problems giving West African kingdoms state-of-the-art weapons, okay, as long as they're going to keep the flow of slaves flow running.
0: Dr. Packer, t- can you talk about um, how this firearm trade, guns for slaves, fit into what becomes known as the basically the triangular trade, trade of the Atlantic world?
3: Um, Fill us in
0: on the other two pieces of that. And on on this point, we're still talking about sort of Caribbean and and Central American slavery at this point before Mm -hmm. we get into the United States per se.
3: Well, let me say this, is that the demand for slaves becomes so high um, that European countries are now competing. Everybody wants to build the wealth up for their country. And so, you know, much of the trade is starting to create a lot of ethnic conflict within the African countries that they're trading from. So the more European traffic, if you will, that you have of traders going into Africa, um, the more guns that are becoming available. And so now it's not just about having this to protect one's own throne, per se, but but the trade is leading to a lot of ethnic conflict Absolutely. <laughs> where yes. people are having to literally protect their homes, communities, and villages. Um, And you're absolutely right, Dean Jones, is that, you know, people tend to understand slavery as being primarily a United States thing, Um, but actually it is spreading out throughout the entire Atlantic world, including the Caribbean. In fact, I just got finished um, talking to my students about the largest population of African Americans being in Brazil. Mm -hmm. It's not the United States. So to keep up with this demand, I mean, it's all connected, right? Keep going to this continent, getting new bodies, um, which is pumping in more on weapons, which is detrimental for the people who are in Africa. And And
0: this, this labor source, mm-hmm. right, that shows up in places like Cuba and the Bahamas, Brazil, uh, to some degree Mexico and Central America, what is what is their labor used for? What are they doing there? I mean, they, we're talking about, at this point, the slave trade begins to ramp up. I don't, I don't right. know. The in South
2: America, it's made. almost all mining. Okay. So it's getting the silver out of the mines, Potosi, and places like that. Um, in The Caribbean, it's going to be sugar, okay, for sugarcane and the Americas.
3: It's uh, primarily cotton is what takes over eventually. But there are some other things, too. You have tobacco, Mm -hmm. you have rice, um, and uh, that, that is at high demand, you know, during the 1700s, particularly 1800s as well. So, you know, slavery is really being placed based on what can be best produced. That's one of the reasons why the highest number of African Americans is in Brazil because sugar was in such high demand, so most Africans were being taken there. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: These create these spin-off economies. Mm-hmm. So, for example, refined sugar becomes the chocolate industry, Okay, mm-hmm. this in, and it's all based upon these very small areas. Well, Brazil's not small, but there's relatively small areas that are growing. Uh, um, sugar cane and which is a murderous murderous task yes. to grow it to harvest it to yes. crush it, it it's really awful and it's and it's uh deadly yes
0: very, absolutely very.
2: for for the workers right i think mm-hmm. i remember
0: i can't remember the stat but there's so many lives lost 40 percent a ton of sugar produced yeah. or something like that and, and
2: these these economies that move out of this then come to de- depend upon slavery as the cheapest way of getting this done, at least the the way that it's being done. And the American South, uh, South America and the Caribbean are the the main points for this. And so keeping the trade going, keeping these things going, as Tiffany said, this is going to create shockwaves all over the place, okay, in West Africa, because you're going to... After 15 to 20 percent or die just in transit. That's right. And then you get, cloaking coast of 40 million people total that are going to be tra- taken from West Africa. And you know who are we talking about here? Which groups of people? Because certain groups of people are going to be targeted and taken. The, for example, not very many Muslims are going to make the trip. It's going to be all polytheistic West Africans, virtually all that are going to make that trip. Mm-hmm. So anyway.
1: And, and just for our um, for our Chinese audience, can you do the quick rundown of which European powers are controlling what areas of the New World at the time?
3: Mm-hmm. The easiest way to know that um, is to look at the language of the people. That's why I tell my students, if you're ever unsure of who controlled who, always look at the language <laughs> of the people, right? Yep. So, um, you know, if you're talking about the Caribbean, such as Jamaica, you know, that is... English. If you're talking about Haiti, that's France. Mm-hmm. Um, what we currently now know as the Dominican Republic was Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, the United States, of course, is English. That's what we what we speak. Brazil's Portuguese. Yep. And right. then
2: the western half of South America is mm-hmm. all Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, and then Mexico and pretty much everything from Mexico down to Panama is all Spanish as well.
0: I want to make clear because it's a huge part of what ultimately becomes the American the narrative about American slavery, is um, the the Atlantic slave trade itself and the Middle Passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, can you talk about the Middle Passage and describe to to the audience what what the Middle Passage is and what it was like, as far as we know based on information that we have? And I'm thinking, sort of 15th and 16th century mm-hmm. um, slave trading between um, you know Europe, Africa, and the New World. What was what is the Middle Passage in the slave trade?
2: So it's brutal, okay? Uh, The ships are three decks, two decks. Most of the slaves are on those two decks. You've got a post at your feet and a post at your head. You're chained to those. Uh, You cannot stand up. You can't move around, can't go to the bathroom anywhere else but wherever you are. So after a couple of weeks on the ship, it takes about a month, month and a half to get from Africa to um, just to get to South America. Um, there would be how many souls on board? Uh, I mean, take. upwards of five hundred people, two hundred to two to five hundred mm-hmm. people on, and as we said, two twenty to fifteen percent of these people are going to die. Okay, mm-hmm. and their bodies. Which will is sh-
3: why they're packing them on so tight. Exactly, exactly. and
0: I
2: was going to ask about the, yeah. the. I mean, this is well beyond the limits of these vessels. Yeah, they're stuffed yep. full of people when they sh- they really shouldn't be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and frequently we get wrecks where everyone will drown or uh, in the case, for example, in the, the Caribbean, we, there's a group of people called the Garifuna who are just simply the survivors of slave ships that where there was either an uprising, the slave ship was, re- was, was taken over, and then the ship was wrecked or the ship wrecks, and so all through this Caribbean you have these groups of people who are survivors off of these wrecked slave ships that don't really belong to any nationality. They're not Haitians, they're not Dominicans, they're sort of like this floating group of people called the Garifuna, the the kind of relative descendants of these people. So absolutely brutal, absolutely brutal. Slaves
3: also tended to be divided based on gender. Um, So, you know, you're absolutely right, any bodily waste um, people are going to be laying in mm-hmm. their own, someone else's. So That's if you're talking about feces, urine, vomit, if a woman is menstruating, if a woman has a baby, right? Yep. All of that is in the middle of all of that. Also, let me say, too, that women were often used for um, sexual purposes. Absolutely. For um, uh, white men on board to take care of their sexual desires in transport. So you rape is very frequent. Um, there were instances where uh, slaves were taken out to exercise their limbs. Um, there are cases where you hear um, some of the uh, ship the shipmen reading Bible verses to them. Uh, John Newton is probably one of the best examples of that. But yes, uh, very, very brutal, very brutal.
0: Can you um, can we talk about the, um, the the what is feeding this, which is the European view of the African? Um, we know that Europeans are not going to the interior of Africa at this time, not on the west coast at least. They're coastal. When they right. show up at all, they on the coast alone. How do we, Western Europeans, uh, Catholic Portuguese, Catholic Spaniards, Protestant English, Protestant Dutch, how do they f- view Africans, broadly speaking? I'm talking about West Africans, not sort of above the Saharan.
2: Okay. As, as, as humans, right, or not? In Before you get the discovery of silver, Okay, would it have been maybe 1532 or so, the church in Spain has a very serious argument about whether or not the people that are, they are taking from Africa to the New World are in fact human. Do these folks have souls? If we can convert them, they say, and if they can accept Christianity, which they are, then they must have souls in which case you can't enslave them, okay? So what changes is the discovery of silver. After that, no one cares whether anybody has a soul in or not because there's literally money to be made. so much silver to come out of these mines. It's ridiculous, okay? In upwards of 25% of the entire gross national product of the Spanish Empire, the whole thing, is just coming out of Peru by itself, that's a massive amount of money, okay? Mm-hmm. So the, at that point, it doesn't matter, and they don't care. So what will happen is, because we're thinking about where's race coming from, this conception of race, which is really something coming in the, in the 18th and 19th century. Right, we're going to get to that, right? Okay. So at this point, it's moving in that direction, but it's not there yet.
3: Right. Um, at this point that, that you're speaking of, it's really about economics more than anything. Um, and you're right. Catholicism, Protestantism means something, right? Yeah. You know, the, the the reason why African people are chosen, it's a, it's a few reasons. It's not really if they're human or if they're not human. Not at this point. Um, but it's more what is going to be economically sound if Europeans could have been used for slavery they would have been used if native bodies could have been used they would have been used but as you suggested earlier Mike um, they are dying off a lot of them from disease so Africans are able to withstand the diseases better Mm -hmm. they're able to uh, withstand the climate the sun better they can do the agricultural work there are known laws that protect them so it's just an endless pool of people that can be gotten for the purposes of making money for the crown. right so. Right,
2: and, and I don't think this would have happened the way it had happened if the West African kingdoms hadn't, had, if it wasn't something in it for them, okay, that, that the, for example, in the British Museum there are these um, tablets, these these br- um, brass tablets that show the the um, kings of Benin, and uh, those, the brass that made them, there's only copper there, there's no tin, okay. Okay. So you need to have something to be able to make those, and that brass, the tin comes from England. Okay, this is something where this was this was trade for resources. Okay, there was no slaves involved in this at this point. So there was already connection between West African kingdoms and and something like England just to get tin. So they knew about this. It's when this drive for enormous amounts of labor comes. Could, just as Tiffany said, that's really what propels this thing. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and and I, I think you're right. This is this is economic. It's not going to be until the system is already mm-hmm. placed, and now we have to pile ideology on top mm-hmm. of it to explain why the way it, it is the way it is. That we're going to get theories of race and things like that. Right.
0: So, so give or
2: take for, um,
0: say, from the you know, I don't know what if it was. The 1480s that was, it was sort of like the origins of the Atlantic slave trade, mm-hmm. um, all the way up and through the. Um, the early 17th century and the settlement of the United States. So, let's sort of, so in summary, you know, we have an ongoing um, beginning, origins of a sophisticated triangular trade in the Atlantic world where where firearms and other things will be imported into Africa in exchange for slaves who will be brought to the New World, the Caribbean and South America and Central America where they produce cash crops. uh, In this case, we're talking largely about sugar and mining later, cotton and tobacco. Those goods go back to Europe and are used there for, uh, among other things, sugar for rum, right? Right. That lasts uh, for a considerable long time. In fact, that goes on all the way up through uh, the abolition of slavery in in, in various parts of the Western world. But... In 1605, Jamestown is settled. Uh, English settlers arrive on the coast of, of the United States or what becomes the United States, and then Massachusetts Bay will follow that. So how long does it take before English settlers set up permanent shop in what becomes the United States before slaves are introduced into what becomes the United States?
2: So when we had our first slaves in the United States,
3: 1619. Okay, so right there. Well, and even that becomes a little bit problematic because that first organized group Mm in 1619. I mean, there have been arguments that Africans came before a little Mm -hmm. bit, but that organized group of 1619. What makes it problematic is that you know historians kind of debate if that is uh, if those were true slaves Mm -hmm. or if they were indentured servants. Right. Um, and how they're actually going to play out in society, because, you know, Jamestown is there, but they're still trying to figure out which way forward. Right. How are we going to set up government? How are we going to set up society? How, How not to drink
0: it? the poison water. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> right,
3: right. So, you know, these idea of plantation systems are something that developed much later. Right. So it's like We have these group of people. What are we going to do with them?
1: And, and they're can 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 Christianized, by the way. Yes. Can you quickly describe what indentured servitude is?
3: Indentured <laughs> servitude um, is when people... Um, I don't want to say serve time, but they have a certain amount of years that they work before they are, I don't want to say freed, but free to some degree.
2: They can own property at they that can, point. Yeah,
3: they can own property, they can kind of go at their own will, um, don't have to do specific jobs. But indentured servitude is normally done when people are in debt, that's how you yeah, get out of debt. Debt slavery. For, yes, for um, Europeans that were trying to flee for religious purposes. This was some of the way that they paid to get there. Absolutely. Um, so so they, s- would,
1: they would form a contract with a ship's yes. captain. The ship's captain would then sell that contract in the New World to someone who would then not quite own, but um, own the labor of this individual right. for what, about seven years? Yes,
3: about that, seven years.
2: Um, Tituba from the Salem Witch Trials, that was her position. Okay, so she's interesting in that she's one of these very early representative characters who shows up in this, and we know her name, mm-hmm. and we know, know things that she did. Okay, Now she's much farther north, but she fits right in with this as an indentured slave because she's not a slave, yeah. but she's not really a servant either, and she has her own property, uh, So she's in a very, and then she sits in jail because she confesses to witchcraft, mm-hmm. and then she gets out, and the whole thing is over, and she's free. So, and, but,
1: and she was West African. Absolutely,
2: yeah. Now, well, there's interest. It's interesting. She's probably half Native American, half West African. Okay. So she's an in, she's a very interesting character. there. yeah, but
3: non-European,
2: definitely
0: right. And we'll, we'll we'll talk more about how this concept of race begins to evolve because okay. it, be, it will evolve differently in South America and Central America uh, than it will in the United States, mm-hmm. partly because of the legal aspects of uh, and the legal status of of uh, persons of color in those areas. But between, so, and, and so we start to venture then forward, so between, say, 1619 and ultimately the American Revolution in 1776, we get a, we get a system of, of developing colonial, what we call colonial slavery, mm-hmm. slavery in the United States, um, which is run by the, in this case, the English colonial government and its subsidiaries. What is, what is American slavery look like in the period between the settling of the first English colonies in the New World in Jamestown and Massachusetts Bay and the American Revolution in the 1770s. Well, and and broad strokes. I mean, okay. obviously we're just trying to get a broad sense of yeah. it. Yeah.
3: And that that's a great question because, you know, as we become more sophisticated in our learning, it's important that people understand the differences of slavery based on where they were. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> for example, if you have um, Virginian labor, uh, their labor would look like, you know, um, gang labor, sun up to sundown. Um, you know, they had their crops in place already. Uh, if you were in South Carolina, South Carolina was a little bit different. Um, you know, those slaves that were brought over tended to be brought initially from Barbados uh, because they, you know, they were running out of space in the islands. So where can we take them in the US? And so they ended up taking them to South Carolina. So those initial slaves did not work on plantations because plantations didn't exist. They had to be created, right? So uh, whites were heavily dependent upon black people for livelihood, you know, clearing out the land, draining swamps, um, uh, grazing cattle, uh, fishing, you know. So early period, Plantations are not as distinct, and rules are not as rigid. So South Carolina might say, listen, you know, it's task labor, where in Virginia was gang labor. Task labor is you finish this task, you're free to do whatever for the rest of the day, okay? So if you're done by noon, then you've done your job for the day. But that will quickly change um, with Bacon's Rebellion.
0: Right, absolutely. So it's a sort of an immature system by absolutely. comparison. Um, but this, the the, the uh, growing colonial systems in, south of the United States, however, are advancing pretty quickly in the direction of large gang-style plantations yes. in Brazil and places like that. So the United States is, uh, well, in this case, the English colonies in the United States are, are sort of lagging behind. Is there is there anything like slavery, uh, and I suppose we already know the answer to this question, but I, I, one thing I try to make clear to... Um, 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 our, our colleagues in, in China is the, the distinctive ethnic heritage of the United States because half of the United States was not settled by English. It was settled by Spaniards mm-hmm. uh, and to some degree French and of course large numbers of natives. Is there anything like slavery in the western part of what becomes the United States? California, uh, New Mexico, Arizona? And I'm talking about in this early colonial period where the colonies themselves are not English, they're Spanish.
2: Mm. Not really like that. Um no. The relationships that the Spaniards have with the Native populations, first of all, the Native, Native Americans out in the West are very, very small populations. Okay? We're not talking more than, say, 50,000 Navajo. Okay? So we're not talking millions of people. Okay? And so you're not really running into a large numbers of people. I mean, even something in Southern California, which the, the, where the Spaniards are already all the way out there, you're not talking huge numbers of people, so you're not getting. There's no way to get your hands on them. Okay, um, but nothing like um, a, a system of
0: African uh, importation of Africans no. is. We see it in Mexico yes. to some degree, but
2: not much above. Well, what the desert right? in Mexico is that Spanish males marry into the families of all of the Aztec families that originally controlled Mexico. Okay, and the Mexica families, like the Playa Collins and the, um, basically all the enemies of the Aztecs, okay? And as they marry into those families, basically Hispanic men, Spanish men are taking Mexica women, mm-hmm. okay? And the products of that I mean, Cortez and Malinche is the first union of that. And the, she has 19 children by him. And they all become mayors of Mexico, what becomes Mexico City, okay? Mm-hmm. All of this that happens is this, this miscegenation between the Europeans and the, um, the, the basically the Nahua, the Mexica, produces a population that's resistant to smallpox, okay? And it becomes the modern Mexico we understand today. So you don't have, you have slaves there, but they don't, the economic, as Tiffany was saying, the economic necessity for them is nowhere near what it's going to be in the South right. or in South America. Right. Okay. So, Dr. Packer,
0: then, talk to us about um, the, the sort of evolution of uh, the American legal system as it relates to slavery, because the colonial governments will begin to pass laws mm-hmm. that begin to regulate Uh, issues about slavery, both in the North and in the South, and 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 we have to start making that distinction now. Uh, The northern colonies, places like Massachusetts and Connecticut, and the middle colonies of New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and so on. And of course, in the South, we have the United Carolina Colony, and of course, Georgia. What are those, and every state, this is my point about this, is that every place is different, mm-hmm. but broadly speaking, what is it that governments begin to do in, in the realm of legislating slavery and sl- the slave system as it, as it evolves?
3: Well, let me say this, that slavery in America, in the United States, is so late in comparison to the rest of the world. But what they learned very quickly is that slavery is so important to the economy. So with Bacon's Rebellion, which in short is, was this unified uh, cross-racial alliance Um, of people who were going going to try to overthrow the elite. Well, that didn't happen because Nathaniel Bacon ended up passing away from dysentery, and so his movement goes kaput. Once that happens, that's when we start to see a clear differentiation between black servants and white servants, and slavery becomes exclusively black. Now, this was their way, um, the elite's way, of telling the difference between who was who. Okay, so this is when we start to see um, determinations of, of race and questions of who's human, who's not. That's when we really start to see that.
0: Absolutely. Now, when laws. was Bacon's Rebellion? What year was that? Um, I'm the th- in- I have I'm thinking 1676. Is yes, that
3: right? it's yes, not, yeah.
0: It's a 17th century thing. It's late 17th century, if I remember right. Yes. So 1676. Yes, something. you're
3: right. I think you're. Right. And that was in Virginia. Yes,
0: uh, south central Virginia or something like that. i don't Mm-hmm.
3: And so laws then started to follow once that happened. Early 1700s is when you start to see a shift. So for example, um, th- it is at this point where children follow the status of their mother, right? <laughs> so if your mother was a slave, then you also could be, would would be a slave, right? Um, and so that's distinctly different because in European culture, you know, the status, you follow the father. Right. So this would help to make slavery harder. This was a great economic move because the more children, slave women, were having, right. the least amount of times they would have to spend money to go back to the continent to get more bodies. And right.
2: slaves are getting more expensive, too. Well, well yes, they, and they are. One of the things you had said earlier about rape as being something that's systematic on the ships. For fun, it becomes systematic yes. on the plantation to produce new slaves. That's right. You can produce a chit slave for nothing, mm-hmm. just by raping another but, uh, slave, and that becomes mm-hmm. part of the way you do
3: it. Right, but mm-hmm. the, but those laws also hindered, if I might add, sure, um, black men being able to be with white women.
0: Ab- absolutely, hey. absolutely, because that
3: would complicate things.
0: I was going to say relationships will also be a target of um, of these slave laws. So do they? I can't remember if they prohibit slave marriages or they. If they outlaw them, they certainly outlaw they black and white yeah. relationships. No, they do. They outlaw um, uh, slave involvement in any traditional processes. Right. That is true. Um, do they it restrict slave movement
2: at all um, in any way?
3: Um, yes, to some degree.
2: The, the thing that really, the the moment where, where a lot of this stuff comes to a head is in the Haitian Revolution, mm-hmm. where once Haiti... What date was it? What year was that? Seventeen ninety-two. Seventeen ninety-two. Yep. Right. Uh, once the once Haiti, the slaves on Haiti revolt. Okay, and France is involved in the, their own revolution at this point, and so they can't really send. They send troops, but they arrive and they get massacred. But the slaves on Haiti, because of some brilliant leadership and uh, a whole lot of luck and some and overwhelming numbers, okay, they're able to defeat the French. Right, so we basically have this, and the Haitian Revolution
0: is, we lumped that in with the American Revolution and the yes. French Revolution, but basically it's a large-scale slave revolt. Absolutely. Yes. Because Haiti was a massive plantation-style slave system, and the slaves rise up and destroy the the order of the day and replace it with what we typically call the first black republic absolutely. in the New yes. world. That is absolutely what it and, is. And so the reaction in the United States, or what is an English colony at that point, is, uh, I know we're, we're into the revolutionary period now, so what we're talking about is an American response which says... <laughs> this is what happens if you don't mm-hmm. do something right. about your slave population. It. So please continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I just want right. to make sure no, folks understood. No, well, I
3: just wanted to add, too, to um, kind of fulfill the point about um, relationships, right, and it, and it being illegal. This is one of the reasons why, you um, you know the slaves come up with the tradition of jumping the broom black people would jump the broom and still do that at weddings let me say that mm-hmm. just as to be symbolic because legal marriages were not allowed if if they were married legally then that would complicate the process of slaves being able to be sold domestically right Absolutely. so if you did not have them married then that would better set with the morale to break up families at any given point um, for the purpose of the domestic slave trade, which will come once the Atlantic slave trade is abolished in 1807.
0: Let me offer trivia for you. I said I was checking my date, not because I'm trying to have a gotcha moment. I just want to see which of you remember something else that happened in the 1790s, which is going to make a significant contribution to the development of American slavery. Uh, and I'm thinking of an invention.
3: Cotton
0: gin? Cotton gin. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so you both knew the answer, and, yeah. all three of, and all three of us forgot the date. And yeah, uh, we, yeah. I don't expect Matt to know the date. <laughs> but, but it was 1794. All oh, right, was, um, so right after so this. Right, right, right follows on. So. so we have an institution which is developing in the United States and at this point into the revolutionary period Um, Can you summarize the status of African Americans during the Revolutionary period? Because at this point now we're going to start to start – we have to start entertaining these contradictions about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and all men are created equal. So that's something that I think non-Americans, in this case our Chinese friends, will want to understand. And How is it that Jefferson and Washington and Adams can write and say these things and then continue along with a a plantation-style slave system for another
3: 90 years? Well, in short, they are not understanding black people as human beings. So these ideas of, you know, humanity don't apply. Right. They're saying this applies to white people on white Protestants, to be specific. Um, so that is one of the main ways that they are justifying um, their continued behavior of the carrying out of slavery. They saying, look, these people are not, they are property, and we are doing them a favor. Right. Um, if you want to talk, it's, it's difficult to summarize the position of black people, though, during the American Revolution period, because they are conflicted, if, if that makes sense. You have the patriots, you have the loyalists. The patriots are the ones who, are, of course, are wanting to uh, be freed from the crown. Um, and then you have loyalists who are loyal to the crown and would like for um, America to maintain that bridge control. Well, the British government was offering black people freedom if they fought on the side of the loyalists. That's right. So, of course, you have many people who are flocking to um, the Loyalist side, many slaves that are flocking to the Loyalist side for this reason. Uh, Many of them die, okay? The
2: Queen's Ethiopian (laughs) Regiment,
3: yeah. (laughs) But they're they're ready to make the sacrifice because they are connecting this fight to freedom, even if they don't live to enjoy it. Um, But there are also black people who are blocking to the patriot side because you know by this time um, you have slaves that were born on American soil they understand America as their home um, and they are interested in making their home here and breaking barriers uh, between themselves and white people Uh, so you know the position of black people then become also very complicated and conflicted do you want to stay somewhere where we are clearly not understood as human take this uh, chance and opportunity from the British, which I should say, those opportunities are left um, unfulfilled. I mean, oftentimes, you know, the British said, look, we can send you to the Caribbean, we can send you to Canada, we can uh, bring you back to England. You now, Canada's, ter- the land is terrible. They yeah. aren't able to live there. In the Caribbean, they're re-enslaved. Mm-hmm. And you know, in England, they are turning to criminals because they can't find work. That's right. right, so this is a very complicated situation.
0: couple of questions about slave life and slave culture um, and then also the status of what we call free blacks because that's going to become a, a part of the narrative as we get into the um, period after this um, Revolutionary War when um, northern states begin to emancipate uh, their slaves and eliminate slave systems um, you know and, and by this time um, we're getting into a point where the Atlantic slave trade is coming to a close mm-hmm. um, and if I remember right um, the British and the American the slave trade in 1808 uh, I think 18, if that's not right, 1807. And then the Americans won't bring it to a close until when?
3: The My domestic slave train?
0: No, the, the Atlantic.
3: Well, legally it ends here in the United States, too, in 1807, okay, but it good. goes on illegally okay, right. <laughs> uh, for more years to good. come.
0: So my, my point was ultimately going to be about the the, the status of these slaves. So you described them, I and mean, this is their home, so they're, they're speaking whatever language the Europeans are speaking. What about slave religion? What about slave culture? What about slave life? Because these are folks now who, although they are in, uh, in, in, enslaved, are nevertheless people. What is it, What is slave life like in the 18th and into the 19th century?
3: Um, many of them convert to Christianity, but what you'll see... Well, well, let me say this. If we were in the Caribbean, okay, Caribbean slaves were able to they were dealing more so with overseers than plantation owners, so they were able to hold on to more of their culture. So if you're talking about religion, um, language, right? So, you know, overseers, like, look through your job, and you go, I don't care what you do back in your quarters, Mm -hmm. right? So that means, you know, continuing religion. But on American soil, slaves were not given that opportunity at all. So, you know, in America... Uh, What will become the United States, you know, slaves are having to forfeit their religion, their names, um, their food, everything that's native to them. So many of them then convert, but they don't lose that spiritual nature, okay? So um, slaves have a reputation for being very um, spiritual and animated um, in their spirituality, and that is one of the... Key differences, I guess, between um, white worship and black worship. Was a great,
2: Raboteau in his book on slave religions goes on about mm-hmm. song, okay, mm-hmm. and about how song becomes, because that's ultimately where the spirituals are going to come out of. Is right. This this thing, and that this is this is something that's definitely West African, that is moving and being melded and merged, because we're not talking one place. We're talking hundreds of different potential. Systems that are now being coming together in the United States and under the cope of this kind of artificial Christianity that probably nobody understands either, and then it's transformed into something completely different. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. which ultimately becomes like Miami Zion. You know, yeah. at some point down the pike.
0: So I've got to take us forward um, into the period, um, what, we, what American historians call the early republic, uh, and into and what follows is the, the antebellum period up until um, the, uh, the American Civil War. So, Before you do that, can I make one? Sure, of comment? course. Yeah. Um,
2: Crispus Attucks, okay, mm-hmm. first person to die in the American Revolution is a freed black man who is a bookseller. He owns his own bookshop, okay, right there next to Faneuil Hall. Um, he's not an. Uh, he, he has wealth. Okay, he has a wife. He has children. He's he's a. He, and we have the image from the painting from the Battle of Cowpens, where you have a black man is clearly in this battle. Okay, and he's armed, and he's wearing riding boots, and he's on a horse. And, you know, <laughs> the, these aren't insubstantial things. So you know, you have the 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 black red coats, if you will, okay, but you also have folks on the other side as well. So you, I think you're absolutely right. And, and the
1: th- numbers are something like one in eight American soldiers in the American Revolution are African Americans. That's isn't? absolutely right.
2: And yeah. these are
0: uh, more often than not free blacks, is absolutely. that correct? And what is the status of free blacks and, and what where do they, I mean, where are we talking about them people, them living? It, um, it, I mean, gen, you know, obviously every state is different. Again. Right. Yeah. When I start to get like more New and Hampshire more that. one, one black family. Right. right. Well,
3: you know, free black people are often trying to um, debate and converse about ways in which way forward and ways in which uh, in the enslaved should be getting free. Um, and how how America should be moving forward, right? So many of free blacks were business owners. Um, you know, uh, gosh, the the gentleman I'm trying to think of, I, his name is escaping me. But the one who had the the ship who was taking people out of the New England states back to the continent. But anyway, he's an example of a free black person that's saying the best move is to get out of here.
2: And he has a ship. <laughs> right, know,
3: he has a ship. Right? That's not a cheap piece uh,
2: of equipment, you know. right.
3: Uh, Then you have Prince Hall, who's saying, hey, you know, we need to stay here and fight this fight, you know, and eventually the barriers will be broken down because they, look, if we want to go by Christian values, there is no greater love uh, than to lay down one's life for a brother. So let's fight alongside these whites. What other way we can prove our our manhood, our brotherhood, and eventually the shackles will fall. Uh, Then you have Richard Allen, who ironically is the founder of the AME Church, who is saying, Mm-mm, let's create a nation within a nation. We're not going back to Africa. We're not trying to fight with white folks. We need to go out to this western space that is, you know, undeveloped at this right. point and create our own lifestyles, living, you know, livelihood, government, systems, um, and functions. So, you know, the Malcolm Xs and the Martin Luther Kings are not new. No the Marcus exactly Garveys are not new, okay? That they have this the free people then are debating the same type of thing. And speaking
0: of resistance, we're going to start to see now also a set of slave rebellions, Mm -hmm. um, uh, separate and distinct from this free black conversation. But um, could you describe a couple of the slave rebellions that pop up in the late 18th into the 19th century? Um, You know, we see them in Virginia. We see them in South Carolina, Mm -hmm. um, places where slavery is more entrenched and widespread, where there are larger numbers of slaves. What do those look like?
3: Wow. Um, Many of them are unable to get off of the ground because they are... Unfolded before they happen, so So they're
0: they're sort of aborted attempts or or, exactly. So
3: you know Denmark Vesey is a great Mm -hmm. example of that in Charleston. Gabriel Prosser is a great example of that in Virginia, Um, but you do have some that are able to get off the ground. Nat Turner, of course, being the biggest one, he has the most successful revolt in American history, where he is actually able to kill in the double digits. Um, white people, including men, women, and children, for the purposes of getting free, mm-hmm. and um, his revolt starts in August. I think he—he, he, excuse me—is not caught until October, um, and subsequently hanged. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you do have and the what spirit, year the spirit of insurrection. Eighteen. I want to say 1847. 40. Um,
2: I think you're right. it's in the 40s. It's in the 40s. Um, there's, there's in the in the same years. because the 40s and the 50s are very, that's where we're getting yeah. up to the Civil War, and then there's another one in <laughs> South Carolina in the 40s where we have uh, plantation, uh, slaves off a plantation it's actually not that hard to take over the plantation, because mm-hmm. really there are not that many white folks on the plantation once, not
3: down there, th- yeah that's
2: right, once you can get, which is the reason why the Haitian Revolution went as quickly, as well. It was probably only a thousand whites on the entirety of Haiti that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so you have uh, one group of about 20 uh, slaves who are able to get horses and guns, and they're able to go from plantation. At mm-hmm. one point... Have, Rebellion. That's Rebellion. Exa- okay, so mm-hmm. five plantations, okay, maybe 200 people, mm-hmm. armed to the teeth and on horses, riding around the South Carolina countryside, but at some point they're going to run into an army. you are going to run into the... And Woody, at that point then, they're going to die.
3: Yeah. They do. Yeah,
2: and and you know, I, we had
0: our visitor here uh, last week from, from Guangdong Bayun, um, our, our friend who's the chair of the English area over there, and we took him up to Atlanta Plantation. Oh, fabulous. And in our discussion, I, I tried to make the point to him also about the sort of the, the structure of American slavery, which is to say that when we start to see the abolition of slavery in the northern states, in the middle colonies, New York, M- Massachusetts, and others, slavery becomes more entrenched in the South, mm-hmm. but most Southerners didn't own slaves, right. and those who That's did, right. did not own many. That our slave system in the American South does have large plantations, but there are not a lot of them. In the North Carolina, there's not many. There's more in South Carolina, more in Georgia, and more in the, and, and places like that. but. Those who did own slaves, the majority of them owned ten or fewer. So it makes for a sort of an, uh, an interesting right. system, uh-huh. and one in which you're unlikely to see a massive, large-scale slave revolt because right. we just don't have the same kind of system they will develop um, in in large in large numbers in places like Peru and, and ultimately in you know Cuba, places yeah, like that.
2: Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Something. Yeah, I think it's only one percent of plantation owners that own twenty or more. That's right. It's That's very right. small.
2: Which is one of the issues of the. American Civil War. Usually, very few plantation owners went off to
3: war. <laughs> you
0: know? Right. So, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the sort of build up to what ultimately becomes the the great crucible of American life, and that's the Civil War. In this case, um, the the debate, and and we're not gonna we're not gonna mess around with this issue of what caused the Civil War. We're to, we're gonna make sure it's we're we're clear about the origins of the sort of. Um, the, the sort of pro-slavery faction or the slave power, as some describe it as, and the growing abolitionist movement in the North and how we start to go from things like and we can't do all this from the Missouri Compromise to the Compromise of 1850 Bloody to dangerous. Kansas, Nebraska, <laughs> to John Brown. Right. You know, right. We just can't do it all. Yeah. But well, let's, let's, con- let's cover the, the sort of broad scope of Antebellum America as it relates to the debate over slavery and what it, what it means for the future of the republic.
3: Well, the fact of the matter is that the North is not really benefiting from slavery in the way that the South is. And the, you know, the bottom line is economics. Economics trumps everything, including religion, OK? And it is economics that bursts racism. So even when you're talking about a system as heavy as slavery, it is still being steered by economics. So, you know, Northerners will say, hey, that slave thing, that race thing, that's a down South problem. Well, the reason why slavery didn't develop the way that it did, uh, I should say, develop in the North the way that it did in the South, is because it wasn't economically viable. That's it. So, you know, if you could produce cotton in New York, and then New York would be as harsh as Mississippi right. may have been, or Alabama, right? Well, it's still it had about black resources. laws. They did every
2: one of these places yeah, in absolutely. the North had
3: black
1: laws.
2: There were certain places you could not
1: live. Right?
3: Absolutely. And so, you know... And, with and there
1: were slaves working in New York City on yes, the docks.
3: there were. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But the way that it develops in terms of plantation systems, it just doesn't happen in northern spaces. And the slavery um, economy in the North was just not enough to sustain the people. So, you know, what's happening in the larger scheme is America's now free, but America is also trying to compete with England now. You know, they're competing yes. with Great Britain to say, hey, we are capable, not only of being independent, but thriving. So while America's having this slavery debate and Great Britain is going on with this industrial revolution and progressing and moving forward and you know England is kind of thumbing its nose at America like you guys still doing slavery oh that's so yesteryear right so you know (laughs) now the American you know economy is like wait a minute we need to try to keep up too and we're not going to be able to do it with having slave hands so we're gonna have to move towards industrial revolution which of course is what you know, one of the main driving forces for the Civil War. This is an economic fight. You know, they're not. You know, Lincoln is not moved because the Lord touched his heart. He's thinking about the economy.
2: That's what did he say? If I could <laughs> win the war by freeing, freeing all from, the slaves, um, I right, do, do it. it. If I'd right? Yeah, some of them, I do it. it. Right? None right? of them, I do
3: it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. His goal was to save the Union. That's he it. Made that clear.
1: And, and just so we're the scale of the value of the economics we're talking about um, correct me if I'm wrong but at the time of the American Civil War the single largest asset in the entirety of the United States were the slaves yeah, slave that, that 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 yeah. that cash value mm-hmm. was greater than the entire industrial output of the north mm-hmm.
0: right. which by the way depended upon southern cotton yes. mm-hmm. uh, in large measure I mean there are any, aren't really a lot of innocents in this in this, this effort right but you know the the debate about and this is where our we have to sort of do our best to make clear the political debate, because there's no question There's the economic motivation for slavery is is clear. It supports the entire social structure in the South. It supports the entire Southern economy, by and large. And for that matter, it supports large portions of the Northern's economy. The American economic prowess in the days before 1860 is rooted in a slave system. It's just, there's just no way around it. But there's also an aspect of what the United States looks like going forward and and what the Republic means when we say... Uh, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, all men are created equal. And we start to see an, also a, a political debate um, how many slave states uh, represented in the Congress, how many senators from non-slave states. There becomes a debate about the, the distribution and the balance of power and what Southerners perceive as their right to own slaves. Um, Northerners, Many Northerners perceive as um, an abomination, either on moral grounds or on political grounds, um, that, that creates this, the furor of the debate, right? I mean, it's, it's not an easy thing to discuss in, in six minutes, right? Right. But, but basically over the course of the 1840s and 1850s and 1860s, um, Americans come to conclude, and some of them do, that um, slavery is either a constitutional right, or something like a moral abomination. And these are two very polar opposites, but they lead to a point where compromise becomes difficult. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're supposed to do in this country. Right. But it, it becomes more and more difficult to compromise over slavery. Um, so I wonder if you could, uh, if Tiffany, if you could give us a summary quickly of, of, of uh, uh, I guess, maybe the best example is, is John Brown, um, just to give us a sense of the, the the passion involved in the debate on both sides. And we don't have to know all about John Brown, mm-hmm. just about his his attempt and at what it means for the South and the North.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, John Brown was a white man um, who had some support of some private abolitionist donors, actually. Um, and what John Brown wanted to do was to violently overthrow the South. And so, you know, this was seen as being such a uh betrayal to um white supremacists. Um but it also I don't want to say a crazy idea but almost he only had a he had a small band. Like like twelve people, right? Yeah cartloads of guns. Oh my gosh. He was very ambitious to try to take over the entire South with just twelve people
0: he was a he was a zealot too (laughs) he was a religious zealot He was, he
3: was. and so he has, so he has to stand this standoff off battle, battle a while, because of, of course he doesn't get that far. in right? harpers felt ferry. In fact, one of the only people that was killed was a black man in this fight. So it really spoke to his uh, poorly planned plan. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think you're right that the right fact, that fact that you have a white, white man is who is speaking speaking out against... Shunt. right, yeah, right yeah, and yeah. does it such in by, such a vibe by, by any means necessary is the attitude that he's, he's taking. Yes. It's really it's speaking, speaking to, to the clash the and inability the inability to compromise on the subject of the subject of, um, um, of slavery and race. You know, he is caught, he is subsequently hanged, which means that you know something like lynching was not just for black men, which lynching take place takes place, in place after, after slavery, right. but anybody who was seen as portraying white supremacy had to, to die. die, and John Brown right. becomes a symbolism it's for that. Interesting. It's interesting
2: because the polar, polar opposite of John Brown, Brown would be the bread riots, riots in New York, in New York, in New York okay, okay, when okay, when the, event when the event emancipation, emancipation Proclamation is, the Gettysburg Address is red, okay, and the Emancipation Proclamation is put out. New Yorkers Yorkers, There are uh, are thousands of New Yorkers Yorkers Who are are not not going going to enlist To go fight against against slavery slavery. This is for the union union. Is it the New York Post had this is a white man's war. war. It's, it's not for the black, black man. man. <laughs> okay, that was, that was one of the one of the, uh, the uh, headlines, <laughs> one of the, uh, uh, one of the uh, columns. So it's, so it's interesting. These polar, polar opposites opposite, beat right, right inside, inside the North. Right. So, John so John
0: Brown John leads an unsuccessful slave rebellion in Harpers Ferry, Virginia. He gets hanged for his efforts, and it it convinces many folks in the South that that the uh, abolitionist powers in the North, by the way, which they perceive as widespread and in charge, which they, of course, are not. Most Northerners are not abolitionists. Most Northerners are not what we might call civil rights advocates. Uh, Most Northerners enjoy racist views, uh, serious and deep racist racial views. But the Southern states become convinced that a a large-scale conspiracy on the part of abolitionists and others in the North is, is threatening to erode and destroy the basis for their economic and social livelihood in the South. And the result of that is, as we say, an inability to compromise, ultimately, a series of events which takes us to uh, the beginnings of the American Civil War in 1861. Um, And we'll we'll do this last little bit, and then we'll close it down, uh, and then we'll have some uh, um, time to come back, and obviously we'll have to come back and do everything after the war. (laughs) But I do want to make sure we're clear about how the Civil War develops, impacts and impact slavery, slavery, and, of course, the conclusion of, or the end, if you will, of the slave system as a result of the war. So, so I don't know if I have a question, per se, except to say, um, what, uh, what, what, what happens to slaves during the war?
3: They become involved um, the, best the best that they can. They can. In, fact, in fact, the Union, union would not have won the war the without the assistance black of black people. Um, Even Even though Abraham Lincoln made it very clear that his idea was to save the Union, black people always associated this war with their freedom. So, so they are getting, they are getting involved, involved in the any way they can. They can. Now Lincoln, Lincoln, for example, doesn't allow black people to um, fight initially because he's a very he's very afraid of the idea of putting weapons in black man's hands, um, and he doesn't want to, to imply that they are equal. And just because people, people are fighting for freedom does not mean that they are fighting for your equality. He's so Abraham Lincoln was he's also he's trying, trying to prevent um,
0: he's also trying <laughs> to prevent. Uh, Maryland, Maryland and, uh, and other border, border states from throw, from jumping ship and throwing, ships. And yes. throwing yes. themselves in with the Confederate states, right? Yes. But yes. he's got multiple he's got motivations. Like yes. Complex yes. Yes. man.
3: Absolutely, he does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely,
2: he does. As you were saying, virtually, virtually the entirety of the logistics of the of the cooking, and the cooking for the, entire for the entirety of the Union Army, army is going to be taken over by, by former slaves, slaves. So right. as soon as. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the, Union, the Army Union Army moves into, into Virginia, Virginia. Mm-hmm. you have hundreds and hundreds, and hundreds of sl- sl- slaves, slaves who are essentially throwing, throwing off their own, own shackles, okay, okay? And, are, and are coming over coming to the Union Army, Army. The Union Army the and the Union Army, Army General General General, commanders the commanders on the, on, the on the ground have got to make decisions about what to do, what to do. And, and most of the time, it's, we are not sending these people back, okay, they're going to stay with us, and they'll do what they can to help.
3: Because, you know, Union soldiers do not know how to navigate southern space. Mm -hmm. Slaves, Slaves on the other hand, they do. So, you know, if you even take somebody like like Harriet Tubman, she's mostly associated with the Underground Railroad. Railroad, But but during the Civil Civil War, she's leading several several spy rings, rings, (laughs) okay, that lead a string of almost a thousand slaves. Um, um, you have Robert Smalls, who is taking over ships, ships right, there right there in Charleston. Charleston. Absolutely. Um, so black people are very active and instrumental in the freeing of their own their own selves.
0: So um, Lincoln is initially hesitant to arm African-American slaves or arm free blacks even.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, eventually, of course, Lincoln has a change of heart uh, or change of mind, whatever the case may be and he elects to proceed forward with a, um, what, what we call the Emancipation Proclamation. So how does he, you know, what is the shift for Lincoln on that front? What does the Emancipation Proclamation say? What does it do? Does it actually make a difference? And then that will bring the, will bring the war to an end, so to speak.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's, but, but, there's, there, I just, I just okay, would say one thing: one there's, thing there's no there's decisive
2: battles, battles in this war. Okay, so, okay? Unlike so unlike other wars, perhaps where there are big, big battles one, that are won, big, big, big battles, big battles Gettysburg. Gettysburg. And Gettysburg, and Gettysburg is not a is decisive battle. battle okay? okay, the, the south, south comes North, north. they fight, they big fight big battle, battle, but but this big battle, but then the Southern army leaves. Okay, they don't pursue it, they don't destroy it, and the same thing happens at Vicksburg. The same thing happens at all. of them, there's no decisive battle. This war is not going to be. Decided like that. Like Instead, that. Instead the whole of the whole South, of the South is going to have to be down, down before, before, it's, before it's, the, the war over is over. And, ahead. and okay, go
3: ahead. I was going to say, say, in, in short, you no, know, there are so many casualties in the Civil war, war. Um, um, that you know Lincoln is losing a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So he needs the black bodies to come fight. So he's like, look, let them come, come fight. We need the bodies, and if anybody's going to die, let it be them. They want to be on the front lines. That's fine. 1863 because technically there are two Emancipation Proclamations, um, 1863 and 1865. The the difference between the two is that 1863 is what technically allows for black people to enlist um, in the Army. And this is just his way of getting back at Southern states to help raise his Army.
0: Well, he he realizes somewhere along the way, too, that... that the the a loss in this war will ruin his dream of preserving the Union and as and if he has any any weapons he has in the quiver to use against the South are gonna be used to include emancipation because he realizes that the backbone of the southern system is slaves and if he can strike at that then he might he has a better chance of, of finding something like victory. So,
1: yep. but he can't do it until he has a victory on the battlefield. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Some, something. Yeah. So it, it's only it's, an, only it's the delay, delay until the Battle of, of Antietam, yeah. Yeah. where he where he's, he's, got he's got the Emancipation, got the emancipation Proclamation in his in his, his, pocket, his pocket, as it were. As it were. But, but all of Europe's going to laugh at him, at him until at him a Union general, general can produce general. a battlefield victory over <laughs> that's Robert that's E. Lee. <laughs> you know. That's exactly
3: right.
0: So then, what so follows the, the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation ultimately will be the Thirteenth Amendment to the Constitution, which, uh, which comes at the come come end of the, the end war, war and is um, ratified initially, if I remember right, by the Northern states, by the ones who didn't secede, and then, and then reconstruction, reconstruction involves all Southern states having to adopt the Thirteenth Amendment in order to to get back into the Union. So. So, um, so good. So, the, so then we're going to bring it to a, something like a close here, even though we are nowhere near a good stopping point. Uh, but if we can stop at the civil war, that's probably enough for now. So, so for now, I uh, want to thank you for downloading this podcast and we look forward to, to producing the next episode and getting it out to you in about two weeks until then. Goodbye and take care.
3: The Archways Podcast is a production of Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte, North Carolina, USA in partnership with the Guangdong Bayou University in Guangzhou's People's Republic of China. Archways is made possible through generous funding from the United States Embassy in Beijing, China and through the College of Arts and Letters at Johnson C. Smith University.
0: Additional support has been provided by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. Subscribe to this
3: podcast through iTunes you email us at jcsuartsletters at gmail.com.